G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. This week we're starting a new series called Slow Down Songs. It's a Lenten series focusing on the Psalms. And this week's sermon is entitled Slow Down and Confess, and it focuses on Psalm 32. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Blessed are those whose sin is forgiven, whose iniquity is put away. They are those to whom the Lord imputes no blame, and in whose spirit there is no guile. For whilst I held my tongue, my bones wasted away with my daily complaining. Your hand was heavy upon me day and night, and my moisture was dried up like a drought in summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and so you forgave the wickedness of my sin. For this cause shall everyone that is faithful make their prayer to you in the day of trouble, and in the time of the great water flood it shall not come near them. You are a place to hide me in. You will preserve me from trouble. You will surround me with deliverance on every side. I will instruct you and direct you in the way that you should go. I will fasten my eye upon you and give you counsel. Be not like horse or mule that have no understanding, whose forward course must be curbed with bit and bridle. Great tribulations remain for the ungodly, but whoever puts their trust in the Lord, mercy embraces them on every side. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and be glad and shout for joy, all you that are true of heart. Would you pray for me as I pray for you as we calm down our hearts? Loving Lord God, we thank and praise you for your goodness, power and mercy towards us. Your word is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. Generous Jesus, help us to trust in you and to look to you for all things. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Today we're kicking off a new series called Slow Down Songs, focusing on the Psalms. Psalms don't get preached on much because talking about a poem is a little bit like explaining a joke. It often takes away its power and the punchline. And yet the Psalms are at the very heart of the Bible, literally and spiritually. They show us how to pray and peer deep into the human heart. So we're going to have a go at preaching through the Psalms, not so that we can explain them, but so that we can grow in our appreciation for them. Today we're starting with Psalm 32, which has been described by theologian Beth Tanner as a celebration of forgiveness, celebration of forgiveness. It begins with a beatitude. You may remember talking about Jesus' beatitudes, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. And verse 1 says, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. I love this psalm because the whole thing tells us to slow down. And one word specifically tells us to slow down. You may see it to the left, in the left-hand margin. 
Selah. Selah appears 74 times in the Bible. And one of the reasons why they translate it as you see it in the Hebrew is because they don't know exactly what it means. Some think it's a musical term, like a rest, telling the band to stop playing and to sit in silence. Others think it's something priests would say to make a point and encourage people to stop and think about what was just said. Whilst Selah's exact meaning is a mystery, we know it's a marker to slow down, pause, and reflect. Selah appears three times in this short psalm, at the end of verse 4, at the end of verse 5, and at the end of verse 7. The very guts of the psalm. So what we're going to do today is we're going to slow down, because obviously we need to right now. <laughs> we're going to reflect on Psalm 32, and we're going to see what it has to show us about confession, forgiveness, and blessing. So first, let's slow down and confess. This poem is a confession about confession. It's a bit like an infomercial on TV where you get the interviews with the people who've tried the product and they talk about how life-changing the product was. The speaker starts out by talking about how blessed people who confess their sins are and then they share their story of why and how they confess their sins to God. Now before we get ahead of ourselves, we need to talk about what confession isn't. Confession is not bragging about the things you've done wrong or even telling God and others the things you've done and pretending to be sorry so that you can go ahead and do the same thing again. Confession is to disclose your faults with remorse. When a criminal confesses something to a judge, they know there will be consequences. You have to slow down to confess because it's a deliberate admission of guilt, knowing that there will be consequences. People who don't think their actions are wrong and don't want to change their lives don't confess because to do so is to admit that you've got things wrong. Often today we hold off confessing in the hope that we'll get away with what we've done or because we're not ready to reflect on our actions. In 2003, a man named Christian Bala wrote a murder novel that became a bestseller in Poland and made the author rich. Police, however, found the details in this novel eerily familiar and matched the real-life murder uh, to the murder of Darish Januszewski. Police dug deeper and found that Bala knew Darish. He was the last person to see him alive. He even sold his mobile phone after he died. Bala's bragging novel got him convicted for murder. The book was all the evidence the police needed. And this is one of the reasons why Psalm 32 is kind of like an infomercial. 
Bala refused to confess, but the confession came out anyway. The writer, however, shares their experience of true confession. Look at verse 3. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was sapped, as in the heat of summer. Selah. They're sharing their experience of not confessing. They describe how they were eaten up by guilt, rotting from the inside. They felt drained of energy like on a stinking hot summer's day. It's interesting, the writer says, your hand was heavy upon me. As if, it's as if they knew God knew their sin, and God in his mercy didn't let it go. There was enmity, and yet God was with this person. And whether it's suppressed guilt or God causing the suffering, the outcome is the same. Confession. Verse 5 says, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover my, up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Selah. Slow down and think of that. Almost before the act is acknowledged, God has forgiven it. Before there was bone-gnawing guilt and energy-sapping anguish, now there is healing and wholeness. Now, if you're a bit like me, you may be wondering what this person did. What did this person do that they're so guilty about? Some think Psalm 32 was written after King David stole Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah, one of his generals. He slept with her, got her pregnant, and then had Uriah killed in battle to cover his tracks. Guilt and regret ate him up, and he wouldn't confess, and yet his sin was exposed by one of his prophets who publicly called him out. Some think Psalm 32 is David reflecting on his confession afterwards, remembering God's forgiveness. Whatever happened, the writer doesn't concentrate on his sin, but shares the joy of forgiveness which is what the back end of Psalm 32 is all about. Look with me at verse 8. Therefore, let everyone who's godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely, when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah. God is our hiding place when we get things wrong. We can run to him, confess our sins, and receive his forgiveness. The most wonderful thing in the world is forgiveness. When we hold on to our sins, desperately trying to convince ourselves that we can deal with our darkness ourselves, we rot from the inside. But in confession, we run to God and he surrounds us with deliverance. 
This is why verse 9 and 10 plead with us. They say, do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. Don't be stubborn like a mule, holding on to guilt. Don't try to make excuses for yourself, holding confession off, or try to distract yourself from your conscience. There is only sadness, anxiety, and self-loathing for people who refuse to bear their souls before God. But as soon as we do, God's unfailing love surrounds us like a thick doona on a cold winter's day. These words also apply to flippant confession. Charles Spurgeon once said, There are too many who make confession not having broken hearts, no streaming eyes, no flowing tears, no humbled spirits. Know ye this, that 10,000 confessions, if they are made by hardened hearts, if they do not spring from really contrite spirits, They shall be only additions to your guilt, as they are mockeries before the Most High. We say a prayer of confession every Sunday. But I must confess to you that sometimes I don't take the time to slow down, reflect. Reflect on who I am before God. And pray this confession with sincerity. This not only dishonors God, but it puts up a wall between me and my maker. This is why regular, sincere confession is vital. We confess our shortcomings, generally as a church, on a weekly basis. But you can also come to God any time in prayer, privately. And share what's on your heart. In the Roman Catholic Church, they have the practice of confession, which um, is where you go to a priest and, and physically speak to the priest, often behind a bit of a grill. They call it confession, so they call it reconciliation these days. It's a little bit less confronting than confession. But in the Anglican tradition, we also have a service, um, a, a bit of a rite of confession. And if there's something on your heart that you need a little bit of help from a fellow Christian to ask forgiveness for, I want to make that open to you. It's a pastoral service. It's not like the priest comes between you and God and is your mediator. Jesus is already our mediator. But it's something that we do all the same. Perhaps you struggle with lust, greed, laziness, pride, envy, bitterness, whatever. God knows what's on your heart, but until you release it to God and let him know you're sorry, you're holding on to something that's hurting you. Theologian John Owen famously wrote, You be killing sin, or it will be killing you. It's a harsh truth, but a truth all the same. For us in the 21st century, we often don't know how to deal with sin. And so we try to glamorize it 
and make it seem like a good thing or a funny thing or an innocuous thing. Then we wonder why we hate ourselves. Why depression and anxiety just don't seem to go away. We try to turn off our consciences and look for things to numb our pain. But instead, Psalm 32 says, confess, take it to God. And when you do, rejoice. Only God has the capacity to deal with our sins. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I haven't plumbed the depth of that verse of scripture. But at the very least, it's saying that Jesus is the hiding place talked about in Psalm 32. Jesus never sinned, but he came into our world infected by it. It was all around him. And then at Lent, we remember the 40 days and 40 nights where Jesus was tempted. Tempted to put himself above his father. Tempted to work miracles for himself. Tempted to walk away from the cross. Jesus was tempted in every way we are. And on the cross, Corinthians says, he became sin so that we might be forgiven. Friends, when you confess confess your sins to God, you admit you can't deal with them yourself and you pass them on to Jesus. You say, Jesus, please deal with this. I can't. Thank you that you died for me for all my past sins and all my future sins, so that your right relationship with the Father might be passed on to me. This is why Lent is such a life-giving practice in the lead-up to Easter. During Lent, we slow down, we look at our lives, we repent, we lay it all out before God and say, sorry. I want to do better. Take my brokenness, please. Heal me so that I can stand before you forgiven. And as we do this, we can rejoice. Look at verse 11. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. Why can we be upright in heart? Because we have God's forgiveness. The Message Bible, which is a bit of a paraphrase of the scriptures, says this, Celebrate God. Sing together, everyone. All you honest hearts, raise the roof. Slow down, pause, and think of that. On Wednesday, I was on a Zoom chat with my mate Chris. Uh, we talk about the passage that we're going to be looking at on Sunday. He's a, he's a preacher and a priest as well. And he, in a moment of clarity, he, he was thinking about this psalm and he said, Look, David, in our world today, we're, we're not seeing any blessing 
because we're not confessing. It's so true. I've been to church services where sin isn't discussed, swept under the rug, and there's no prayer of confession at all anywhere. And you sort of go home trying to convince yourself that I'm happy, but you haven't dealt with what's on your heart. And if sin and confession is an embarrassment inside the church, it shouldn't surprise us that it's absent outside the church. It's because confession is uncomfortable. It's awkward. And yet, friends, it feels so good. There's a weight that lifts off your shoulders when you slow down and confess your sins before God. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible is 1 John 1 9, which says, If we confess our sins, he, that's God, is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I learned that one by heart when I was a new Christian. On Tuesday, we had a pancake outreach. And again, confession time. I confess I wasn't feeling great about it. I hadn't done a good job of organizing it or advertising the event. And the thought crept into my mind that no one would show up and it would just be me eating pancakes outside church. (laughs) I got to church and started setting up. And all I wanted to do was go home, sit in bed and sook. (laughs) But then I saw Alma. And she was the angel that I needed that brought me back to reality. So I said a quick prayer, confessing my self-pity and anxiousness to God, and I thanked God for Alma. And then Marion arrived, and she offered to help. She was just there to eat pancakes, but she said, Oh, chuck an apron on, let's go for it. And her daughter helped. And all of a sudden, this trickle of people came. There were two high schoolers who came up and were like, what are you doing and why? And and are these pancakes free? And I was like, yes, (laughs) this is what it's all about. And this trickle of people suddenly turned into a flood as 30 kids from the before school care program arrived from next door. And as they took their pancakes... And they thanked the cooks. I thanked God for his many blessings. It was a humbling feeling, but it was a reminder that when we're real with God, there is blessing in confessing. So what are you waiting for, friends? Don't waste your time wallowing in guilt or stubbornly pretending that you don't have problems. Our community is hurting enough at the moment because of people just trying to deal with their own dirt on their own terms. Let's bear our souls to God and see what he does with that. Let's slow down and honestly look at our lives before God. Let's confess our sins, share our stories of forgiveness, And rejoice that God has forgiven us. There's blessing in confessing. Let's do it every day. 
Amen.